We're on episode number 42 of the series of John. Yes, I'm going back to John, but it's in lieu of what they were talking about today, how we are God's family. And of course, as God's family, you want to trust and obey. But even though I don't have a long time to preach a sermon after we watch the John video, it's okay because I actually only have a one-point sermon today. We're going to be in John chapter 13, and we're going to watch a few minutes of John chapter 13 right now. So uh, hit it, and we'll watch it, and then I'll give you a one-point sermon. After Jesus had said this, he was deeply troubled and declared openly, I'm telling you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked at one another completely puzzled about whom he meant. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him. Ask him whom he is talking about. So that disciple moved closer to Jesus' side. Who is it, Lord? I will take some bread and the sauce and give it to him. He is the man. So he took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Hurry, and do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. It was night. After Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man's glory is revealed. Now God's glory is revealed through him. And if God's glory is revealed through him, then God will reveal the glory of the Son of Man in himself. And he will do so at once. My children, I shall not be with you very much longer. You will look for me, but I tell you now what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. <laughs> and now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, 
then everyone will know that you are my disciples. All right, so you might be wondering, as he switches over to my input, is Steve going to be talking about the, the secret sauce, the dipping of the bread, the little whisper between Peter and John? Is he going to talk about where Jesus is going? Nope, I'm going to skip all that. Okay, so episode number 42, it's going to start <clears throat> in verse 34, at the very end of everything you watched. We're going to talk about a new command for a new year. Okay, we've been doing some New Year's messages lately, seeing God clearly this year. Well, this is a new command for New Year. This is your one-point sermon. Your one-point sermon is love one another. Wow, what do you know? It goes with the song that Pat and Rhonda sang, We Are Family, All God's People and Me. I rewrote it now, just now from the old version, right? The idea that we're the family of God. And so what are we supposed to do? Love one another. You are lucky you're in church today. We had all kinds of stuff going ahead. We have a business meeting after. I got to keep it short. Pastor Steve was able to come up with a one-point sermon. Love one another. Let's close in a word of prayer. No, okay? It's really that basic, okay? This is what Jesus said is the most important. I'll read it to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Simple statement one-point sermon. And then he validates it. He says, this is how you prove to be his disciples. By this, by this loving one another, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. If you're ever asking the question, how does the kingdom of God grow, right? As a church leader, you're always interested in church and the health of the church. And part of that health is natural growth, not man-made artificial growth, but a healthy organism, a healthy family is going to produce children. A healthy church is going to grow as part of its natural thing. We also want to grow deeper in the Word and acts of service and do outreach and missions. The part of it is just the natural growth of the people who fellowship in the church. That's a sign of a healthy church. So if you're ever asking the question, how does the kingdom of God expand? How do new people come in? Or if you're asking it locally, how does my local church grow? How does our youth group have more kids come to it. Well, there's all kinds of things you can do, but here's what it says right here. The bottom line is the quality of relationship we have with each other, which is determined by the quality of relationship you have with the Lord. Let's get this straight. The command to love one another comes secondary only to the ability to love one another because we have a love relationship with God, right? Isn't it Jesus who said the Old Testament is summarized by love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the vertical, and then love others? Love your neighbor as yourself, the horizontal. Well, Jesus is talking to the church, so he's talking to the believers. He's talking to the 12 disciples, the men who changed the world, the 11, not Judas, the 11 men who went out and all died, except for maybe one, giving their lives to preach the gospel. So they were his believers. They'd already gotten the vertical. And now he's saying, okay, here's the command now. It's not just love and adore me. It's have the same love that I had for you and share it to other people. And he's saying, over the years... This is, will be the hallmark of the Christian church, the love we have for one another. It goes out horizontally beyond us. If you remember, the first message I preached as your senior pastor here was uh, from a series on Nehemiah, Rebuilding the Walls. And we talked about how we got to get straight with God. We got to have our personal relationship with God in order. And then this is why we give you uh, calendars with stickers. Raise your hand if you put some stickers on your calendars this week. Still still working at it, good. Okay, we give you calendars and stickers because after getting your own relationship with God in order, the next co circle of your life is your family. 
husband, wife, children, to make sure they're in harmony with each other and with God. That's your first mission field is your family. And then it goes beyond that to the church. This is the the context of the love one another. It's talking about the body of Christ, that we would love one another. And that we're going to evidence to the world and bring more people in, not by funny videos or fancy sermons or cool titles. or, But all those help. But what really keeps them here, what makes them stick, when visitors come, what makes them stick is the fact that we have love for God and genuine love for one another. We're going to define what that is later. And then it goes beyond that, just like in Nehemiah. We said, once we get that and we build the walls around ourselves, and we build the walls to protect our family and then we build our walls to protect and build our church, then we reach out to our community, to our nation, and then eventually to our world. But specifically today, I'm focusing on the family version of the song that Pat and Rhonda sang with us, is that the testimony of our transformation is our ability to love one another in the way that Jesus loved one another, which was not just in word, but in deed. And just so you know, this just happened after what? Jesus had just identified who his betrayer would be, and yet he still responded to him with love, giving him every chance to turn to Christ. Part of what makes a church authentic is that Believe it or not, I've discovered after 51 years of life that not everybody sees things the right way. Not everybody sees things just like I do. You know, I see things the right way, and some of you don't. In other words, the, the Christian testimony is for us to be loving and have unity and be gracious when we have different opinions, different ideas. The Bible is pretty clear, but it's also pretty broad, and the application of God's command to us is different. And there's a whole series on this. The, uh, uh, Charles Stanley does a really good book on the spiritual giftings that are used in the church to build up the body of Christ and how it's all different. And, the, and Corinthians makes it very clear that we're all different. We're different parts. We're different members. And so God's going to work in us differently. But the love is the, is the Holy Spirit oil that allows us to each be different and to appreciate the differences, not to force everybody to be clones of ourselves. Because then that makes us think we're God, like we have it all together, and we don't. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires to do, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. we got to walk humbly before our God. And so in that humility, oh, wait a minute, isn't that what Jesus just did? After this speech on loving one another, didn't he just humble himself, put on a towel, and wash their feet? And he says, just as I have loved you. He, he washed Judas' feet, knowing in just a few hours Judas was going to betray him to be crucified. And Jesus is saying this, and by the way, the word here, I looked it up, okay, just to make sure. The word for love here, because there's lots of different words for love, is the God-breathed agape love, the selfless, sacrificial I'm going to love you no matter what kind of love. So Jesus is saying right after him, and they remember in the other version, I think it was in Luke, they were arguing about who's the greatest, and he's like, stop that. I'll show you who's greatest. And he put on a towel, and he washed their feet. And he says, just as I have loved you. And he's about to go to the cross. Remember, he just had talked and said, I'm going where you don't. And they're like, they can't understand. Where is he going, you know? We can follow him anywhere. He's going to do the ultimate act of sacrificial love. So we're talking about love in word and in deed, which, by the way, I know I give you a lot of this is the year of this, this is the year of that, right? So this is the year of God's word, it always is. And this is the year uh, to do your calendars and your stickers. 
and this is the year of love, the, you know, which is very important, right? But one of the things I said to you in all of that was I said, talking about our ability to speak life to people, this is a year to speak life and do life. In other words, say positive, affirming, encouraging things to the people around you. You have the ability to speak life to your spouse, to your children, to your coworkers, to the kids in your classroom, to the people in the church. And then do life, not just speak life, but then do acts of service that bring life to people. Humble yourself, wash people's feet in that sense, and serve the people around you. Because that's how we prove to be his disciples. How does the world know something's different going on in here? What's going on at the Baptist church? Cameron and I were at the uh, coffee shop, and uh, I don't know, there's all kinds of weird things that happen in the coffee shop, but people were talking religion. And so one lady's in there at the coffee shop, and she's like, well, I used to, go, and I don't know if it was this Baptist church, but she's like, I used to go to a Baptist church, but I quit. Preacher was so mundane and monotone, and he's supposed to be over there preaching about love and life and Jesus Christ and being born again, and he never even changed the tone of his voice. It was like a funeral. I don't want to be a part of that. And Cameron's like, and I'm sitting on the stool, not saying anything. Cameron's like, well, I go to it. Baptist church, my pastor ain't nothing like that. He's actually pretty animated, wild and crazy. In fact, and she's looking at him, in fact, he's got a YouTube channel and puts his videos out on YouTube. And she's like, really? Who is he? He says, well, this is the pastor at Yahoo. And she starts looking it up and she gets to the YouTube page and all of a sudden there's this recollection that that guy looks a lot like me. (laughs) And Cameron goes, Oh, by the way, just so he didn't get in trouble. By the way, that's him right there. (laughs) You know what? They're going to know we're his disciples by our love one for another. We were sitting there. We were talking. We were gracious. Some other guy was spouting off some stuff about the church he went to and what happened. And I didn't try to correct anybody or teach anybody. I was just friendly and loving, just whatever. I got home, and she subscribed to our YouTube channel. So she could actually be watching the live stream here today. Isn't that an amazing thing? So God's working in those ways. That's how it works. They see that we have love one for another and that we're genuine and that we care. And that's how we prove to be his disciples, by just being out there and being loving. Well, I want to, because it's a one-point sermon, love one another. That's how you prove to be his disciples. I didn't say it's a one-slide sermon. I said it's a one-point sermon. So let's dive deeper into this point. A new command I give to you, just verse 34, a new command I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And I asked the question to myself as I was making my notes, how? How do we love one another? What kind of love? And I just told you, it was as demonstrated by Jesus Christ, which is the agape love. What did Jesus just do? He humbled and served and washed their feet. So I would say the love he's talking about is in humility, in service, in friendship, in sanctification. He was washing their feet. He was helping them get rid of the grind that's in their life, right? It doesn't say you shouldn't take the speck out of your brother's eye. It says you just got to get the plank out of your own eye first. We're supposed to help each other. Jesus eventually sanctified us by dying and shedding his blood. So I said humility, service, friendship, sanctification, and finally commitment. He said Jesus was troubled inside of him. And in another version, it said he cried out to God and said, take this cup away from me. But if not, if this is the only way, I'm committed. Let's be committed to each other. Listen, this is super important in your own marriage and with your children, but it's also really important in your church. Be committed to what's here. Don't give up so easily. 
In other words, don't look for a reason to be offended. I'll tell you this right now. If you're looking at me at a reason to be offended, you can find plenty of them. And that's the same with everybody in this room. Whatever you say, whatever you do, if we tear apart your life, forget it. Love, grace, forgiveness. You know, we're all, I mean, we are a family. We're, we're all in the same family. We're all getting on the same ship, going to the same destination, heaven. And so be committed. Don't, be, don't so easily talk negatively about anybody in this church. If you want to talk negatively to them, talk to God. And if God so directs you, come talk to their pastor. But outside of that, don't. Be committed to the relationship we have here. Build it up. Show that there's love in this church, one for another. And not just in words, but in action as well. As we find the ability to serve each other in love, to reach out, to speak affirming words, like I said, speak life and do life. And look what John says later on in his life. First John is John, but it's really second John or third John, right? This is not the gospel of John. This is the first, second, third John. This is at the end of his life. So the first book is at the beginning of his life when he's becoming a disciple. And this is at the end of his life. So after all his ministry, what does John have to say? John, who probably is the only disciple that wasn't martyred for his faith. He was exiled to the island of Pete Moss. But here's what he says in 1 John 3. Patmos, okay, but Pete Moss sounds better. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. He's saying, hey, wait, remember when Jesus was here? This is what he told us. That we should love one another. Fifty years later, at the end of his life, after all his buddies had died to spread the gospel, he's like, hey, I just want to remind you what's the most important. We've been told it from the beginning, love one another. By this, we know love, or know God, because God is love. He's going to say that later. By this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Remember, not just in word, but in action. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, for most of us, that does not entail physical death. It's the laying down of your life in service. It's called yielding to the other person. It's called, and I know it sounds like a bad word, but it's not. It's called compromise. Compromising, not taking a stand on who's right, but take the stand for what's right. Lay down your lives. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Now look at, this is a twist on what he said previously. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So I said this. This is the same John who wrote the gospel much later at the end of his earthly life. And he said, from the beginning of the church age, the command was to love. It wasn't just any kind of love. It was sacrificial love. Sacrificial agape love, not just in word, but in deeds only. But notice the difference in the gospel. It says that when we love one another, that's how the world will know we are his disciples. But here, as he reflects back, he says, this is how we will know we are his disciples. Because as you get older, you need assurance in your heart that you really are part of his kingdom, that you really are going to die and go to heaven. And it says, look, the testimony of the church to the world is to love one another. But for peace in your own heart, how do you know you are of the truth? How do you know? How are your hearts assured before him? Because you're like, what I'm doing is not of myself. And in of myself, I'm a mean, selfish pig. Well, not quite, but I think Pam's called me that a time or two in our marriage, right? But with the grace of God that transforms me, information, revelation, transformation, the agape love of God that has invaded my soul, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me, then we learn to love each other, and that's what assures our heart. You know 
that you don't just follow a religion or a philosophy or a tricky preacher up on the stage. You know you've been born again because you have supernatural love for the people around you. Going back to John, verse 35, by this all people will know that we are your, you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Friends, I wrote, this is our banner for the church of Jesus Christ. Love. Right? His banner over me is love. This is the banner of our church. That we love God, which compels us to love everybody else, each other first in the church, and then it just kind of bubbles out and down the hill to the rest of Connell. And I said, this is supernatural, God-breathed, agape love. It's something you can't drum up in yourself. You can't do it without God. And that's why it's proof we are His, because the only possible way to love like this is the indwelling of God's Spirit. So I decided to write my definition of agape love. These are the words that came to my mind as I was studying, and I, and I just think it's a good definition. It's probably out there by somebody else, and it's probably better. But I would say the kind of love that he's talking about here is pure... And it's unilateral. What I mean by unilateral is it doesn't need reciprocation. I'm committed to loving my wife if she never loves me back. Thank God that she does, praise God. But it's pure. I don't have any ulterior motives. It's unilateral. I'm going to love because God first loved me and he commanded me to love. It's unconditional. There are no conditions. It's benevolent. It's hoping for the good, wanting to do something good for the other person. And it's verified, okay, so pure, unilateral, unconditional, benevolent love that's verified by consistent actions. How is it validated? By consistently walking in light of what you profess to do and that you love God and you love the people around us. This is my closing slide, and it's long, but it's worth reading. Again, back to 1 John, same guy, chapter 4. If you can't see it because it's too small, listen to my voice. Dear CFBC, let us continue to love one another. Don't give up on it. Find every reason not to have offense. Find every reason to forgive. Find every reason to love. Why? Because love comes from God, and that proves that you are a conduit of God's love. What does 1 Corinthians 13 say? It says no matter how much money you give or how much missionary work you do or how powerful a preacher you are, if you're not working out of love, you're just taking up extra oxygen. You're just wasting space. It's got to be motivated by love. And I'm saying you can't generate that in yourself. I'm not a love generator. I'm a selfish Steve generator, just so you know. The only way I can generate love is to have the Holy Spirit in me infusing me with the love of God because I've yielded my life to Him. That's how we know we're His. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and therefore knows God. So I said to know God is to know love. And to live in God is therefore to live in God. But anyone who does not love God does not know God. For God is love. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us. If we love one another, God is resident here, brings us to health as a church and draws new people in and proves to the world we are his and assures us in our hearts that we're his even when our prayers aren't answered. God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us and God has given us his spirit as proof. There you go. The validation that we are God, the ability is because of his spirit that we live in him and he in us. If you live in God, that means you're going to live in love. If you know God, that means you're going to know love. 
Verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who love live in God and God lives in them. So you could take that one step further and say, okay, not only is to know God is to know love and to live in God is to live in love, but you could say to obey God, which Jesus said, is loving him, right? If you love me, you obey my commands. To obey God, which is loving him, is actually loving each other, right? First, us, our own family, our own church, and then to the world like we did with Nehemiah. So to obey God is loving him, and loving him and obeying him leads us to loving others. It goes from here. That's why my favorite song is, I got a river of life. Flowing out, right? That's the, okay, let's change it. I got a river of love flowing out of me. Makes me sing like a dove. And I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't rhyme that same way, but it's, it's the life is the life of love. That's what validates that we're of God. Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. I just used that scripture just yesterday with somebody that was struggling to love and forgive somebody. I'm like, hey, isn't that the same thing Jesus did for us? Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we were unlovey. He first loved us, so we can certainly love and forgive others. Verse 21, and he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. John started the Gospel of John with this in chapter 13, and in 1 John 4, he concludes it the same way. Your command, your new command for the new year you must love your Christian brothers and sisters just like Jesus did. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, if it's not love, then it's nothing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the one-point sermon on love one another. That's it. Thank you for the new command for the new year that's very simple. Do what we must. Humble ourselves. Speak life, do life, imitate Jesus, be in your word, whatever it takes. But the goal is simple. We prove to the world and we validate among ourselves that we are truly transformed, born-again disciples if we love you and then spend that love loving and serving those around us. Help us to do that as a church and bring your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.